your favorite toy truck nerds are back. Welcome to That Scale RC Show. Hey guys, what's up and welcome back to this week's episode of That Scale RC Show. Uh, we are on episode 105 and I'm one of your hosts, Adam, alongside with Jay and Travis. Uh, what's up guys? How's it been? What's up? Been good? It's been good. It's been busy. Yeah, yeah, very, I know. Been very it's been busy. a couple busy. weeks since we've been able to all three sit down and uh, do this. Yeah, I think it's been over a month for me. You yeah. guys recorded one while I was gone, and then I don't think we've recorded one at all in June otherwise. Yeah, I know it's been too yeah, long. We weeks we blended together quick. <laughs> yeah, and we have to apologize for that last one. That's what happens when we don't have Travis here. We uh, fall apart. I just hit the I just hit the record button. That's all I do. <laughs> and I upload well, it. For some reason, when you hit record, it seems to work better. <laughs> noted yeah it was weird last time the two recording softwares that we use the one for me and then one for the call they both like stalled out i don't know if it was a bad internet connection or what happened but both of them stalled out and so like the counter was running but it wasn't showing like the timeline of it so we had to just kind of roll the dice and hope for hope that it was okay but the gamble did not wasn't. pay off no it didn't we were so far into it at that point where it was just like well i guess we just keep going you know because <laughs> we, we were almost done and i had like chrome open and wasn't looking at the thing you know looking at the software timeline so yeah it kind of sucked happens though it happens it sucks yeah, it when happens, it happens to the best of us but it happens yeah Anything new, though, otherwise? Um, I'm just slowly starting to panic with the the amount of time I have left to get my stuff together for Axial Fest, West Coast. Did they just announce the location of that today? Or has that been known? Okay. It's been known. It's just the problem is they've been really, they've been so, like, I don't understand. Ever since Axial or Horizon started doing um, Badlands, it's like the West coast kind of just gets like forgotten about. They keep, you know, they keep promoting the badlands. And I think like the beginning was, it was like the fear of, Oh, we're going to have this other event and nobody's ever going to show up to it because it has no, you know, um, has no like publicity. There's nothing going on. Like nobody knows about it. So I think they focus so much on that, that Axiofest West coast just kind of gets forgotten about and the fact that even like this year, once again, we have a whole nother new venue that it's like it created this whole other, you know, issue of like what's going on and, you know, nobody knows what's going on and it's just kind of, yeah, it's a little frustrating, but um, 
from my understanding, I guess it's just like it's almost kind of like back when. Um, well, I guess back then it was uh, who who was the original um, the the what was Hobbyco? Yeah, when Hobbyco was running Axial and Axial did Axial Fest at Cisco, they basically rented out the whole place and it was like whatever the rules are that Axial wants, that's those are the rules. From the understanding I have, that's kind of how it is with with Rob's Resort. Basically, Horizons renting it out. And it's Horizon's rules. If Horizon wants to create a, you know, a quiet time, then that's going to be on Horizon. If they want to, you know, because there's a lot of people freaking out. Um, I was talking to Todd about this earlier today. There's a lot of people freaking out about generators, um, and you know, like, oh, are we gonna, you know, like, what are the rules? You know, how long can we run them? And they, you know, they heard like, or it's on Rob's uh, Resorts website that like at 8 p.m. You must turn off all generators. So people were freaking out going, well, what are we going to do? Like, how are we supposed to keep things going? Like, you know, they got night runs and all this, that, and the other. Like, are we supposed to just have everything going and it's gonna be, the whole place going to be pitch black after, you know, 8 o'clock? And I guess somebody contacted them and said, hey, Horizon rented it out. If they want, they want to let you run generators throughout the night, you can run generators throughout the night. Hmm. Interesting. Which is kind of annoying, so I don't think that they're going to, you know, allow that. It's going to be, I think, kind of like Donner. So Donner, there was, a, I think, 11 p.m. cutoff or a 10 p.m. cutoff with generators. What which is a little more, now? which is a little more, you know, reasonable. What's the so, cutoff? 10? Well, it's supposedly, supposedly when it's a when you're at Rob's resort it's 8 p.m. but Rob's resort supposedly um let somebody know who called uh it's supposedly it's all in the um what you call it's the one of the axial fester bus um thread they called and they said oh no horizons um calling the shot so it'll be up to them to pick a curfew wow interesting so but yeah, so um, yeah, so like I said, it's just funny because, like you said, oh, did they just announce that like the other day? I just noticed that like this is the first time I've seen any kind of like announcement that Axial Fest West is even going on. So you're just kind of like, hmm, interesting. That is kind of strange. So, but yep, it's like less than two. Well, yeah, like less than two weeks away, and. Yeah. You know what's weird is each year at the Badlands one, it seems like it rains out, you know, like just bad weather. And then almost right, you know, immediately after you've got Axial Fest West. So I don't know why they don't switch it around. They Honestly, you they know? probably should. They probably should switch, you know, the dates <clears throat> or keep Axial Fest West where it is and move – Badlands to like August. Yeah, like later in the year. Because I think the last two years in a row has had some pretty substantial rain, if I remember right. Yep. Unless they kind of plan that because they know that there might not be a lot of natural terrain. So maybe they want some mud for you to be able to drive through. Yeah, that could be. Hard to I say. mean, I don't know. So, um, but yeah. So, 
I still got lighting to take care of on this uh, SCX six, and I think that's pretty much it. After that, I'm pretty much ready to go. But it's just finding time to do it. We're also at our final crunch time um, with the uh, with our project. So mainly because they move in starting next Monday. Well, Monday furniture gets delivered. Tuesday more furniture gets delivered. Then Wednesday they move in. So. It's like all hands on deck, chaos, running around, you know, yeah. By the time I'm off work, I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to deal with any of this. Yeah, that's not fun at all. So I'm hoping to have everything done the weekend before I take off. Yeah, that'd be nice. Just have everything ready to roll. I'm going to keep it all in one pile. Then Thursday after work, unload the tools, load everything up, and hit the road. Nice. But yeah, that's all It'd I got going on. be a good time. I hope. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Um, like I said, new event or new venue. Um, just kind of see where it goes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I heard from uh, Matt Hawk today. He said that he's planning on going up Friday. Oh, wow. Right for on. the day. So hopefully cool. you get to see him. So that'll be fun. But yeah, what do you guys got going on? I painted the Ecto today, the Operation 11 Charlie one. I got it all cut out with an exacto, and then I did the adhesion promoter that I finally figured out actually would work pretty good, and then laid down all the white. So there's a couple little spots of dirt I got to sand out, and then hit it with matte clear, and then that body's pretty much ready to start being assembled, and then. Uh, just got to get electronics here for it and put all the parts on and should be good to go. Nice. Yeah, so that'll be cool. It'd be nice to get that thing wrapped up. Yeah, it's always nice to get projects wrapped up. I mean, I still have the copy cat or whatever you want to call it, the carbon copy of my um, my 94 to do. I feel so bad. Um, this guy on Instagram... Uh, Twisted Fabco. I forget what his real name is. I think it's Casey something, like Casey McIntyre or McTyre or something like that. Um, he he sent me some parts to start doing mock-up, and I just had no time to like even work on any leaf spring mock-up on that truck. That's going to be a fun one, though. Front and rear leafs or just rear? Front and rear, because it's gonna copy. It's a, gonna be a carbon copy of my truck. My truck's oh nice. It leafed on all four corners. That'll be cool. Very good. Travis drove a car the other day. Mm-hmm. He drove a oh, crawler. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I drove the uh, drove one of the new EPX trucks. So yeah, that's really been what I've been working on. Um, which we finally announced. So we're bringing that back. Um, 
we we discontinued the old kit back in January, and so it had been kind of working on a bit of an update. Um, I talked about it a little bit in the past, where this was the this was kind of where the, the towers came into things, um, where you know we were releasing the towers, and then we wanted to do a full update to EPX, but then also just to kind of do some quality of life stuff along with it. So yeah, that uh, we announced that this week, and that'll you know, we're just kind of wrapping some of that up and getting a bunch of content out there and you know finishing up a little bit like what's going in the box but yeah we'll, we'll be shipping that shipping that this month so yeah big one big one nice. getting wrapped up there but that's that's, that's why i was driving yeah it was a good time it was a real toss-up between the servo and axle truck and the CMS truck. It was like you could barely even tell a difference between the two. Really? It was pretty yeah. Crazy. Oh, we're, like when we were finished with that day, it was so satisfying because, like, after driving both versions that you know people are most likely to build it, like I'm really, really confident that people are gonna like it. Like when we got done, I was like, "Damn, dude, that is a really good truck." It is like, so good. Are, People are going to enjoy this. So yeah, I it's, was. It's been like this buzz ever since we got back from driving. And it'd be good, but like I was really, I was really impressed. <laughs> really, like because I I didn't. I was telling I was telling him that like after I kind of did my first run of driving around, I was like, you know, I really there's not one bit of this that has made me go, man. I really wish my servo was axle mounted. You know, like it, everything, it was just super stable and planted. And, and so a lot of that, like the place that we took it to out in Snoqualmie, you know, is this place we've been before. Um, we did like our Bronco video and stuff there. Not the Bronco, the Scout video and stuff there. And um, it's, it's not a very big place. You know, there's not much to see. And it really depends on the time of year, you know, with the water level and everything from the mountains because it's right at the base of the pass. And... Um, but it's like, you know, it's really good, like, ter- like terrain for, you know, testing. You know, like, it's a really good proving ground. Um, and, yeah, they were both just so stable everywhere. Um, I, I'm, obviously, I can't sit here and say that, you know, a CMS is as good or better as the, as the axle mounted, you know? I mean, there's just, there's not a, there's not an argument there. But, um, yeah, I was, I was really amazed on how, like, close they how close they performed to each other. Like, like I said, I, I'd be perfectly happy never axle mounting my servo in the, in, in mine, which is the chassis mounted one, um, that I did up for promo and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was, it was good. It was really good validation of, you know, we, I, I've said this so many times before. I mean, you, you can, you can mess with weight and you know, this and that or whatever, but I mean, you just, you can't beat good geometry and that's like what the old kit was about. And that's what this one is too, you know? So it's nice to kind of see that in action and, you know, have that reaffirmed a bit. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't, you could hand either one to me and I wouldn't be sad. You know, like I would be fine yeah. driving either, either version. It really didn't bother me. I like both of them equally. Yeah. So. I rebuilt my shocks with those bleeder caps, and I didn't have any 40 weight like what's in yours, but I started thinking about it, and with that little bit of extra weight from having the servo on the axle, you know, the axle's mm. heavier now on mine, and so I went 42.5 on both ends instead of 40 like what you did, just because of weight 
placement's slightly different. So kind of I'm excited to try it out and see how it is because I definitely like Tiger Shocks were on that with the 40 weight. See, and you know what's funny? There's a lot of people that really ask that question, like, does the different shock weight uh, front and rear, does that really do anything? And I've actually been a firm believer that it does, mainly in based off of like what you guys are saying. And it's also kind of like, if you think about it, it's kind of like the dynamics of even like a real vehicle. You know, the front's going to be a different weight than the rear, especially if you're having something that has more of a motor forward. Plus, you got the servo, like, you know, there's going to be more weight. So if you tune that differently than you tune the rear, because the rear typically doesn't have anything, just like a real you know, pickup truck would, you know, you're going to want a different rate, you know, and I, and I've noticed if, at least just for me, if you keep the rear a little more stiff, like, you know, thicker shock weight, um, you're going to, it seems to want to like keep it planted when you're doing a lot of climbs, but that's just from what I've seen. Yeah, I I want the axle to move as slow as possible. Not, I mean, obviously, there's like a, a line that you draw, and it's like, okay, this is too much, and it's not moving nearly quickly, quickly enough. But like when you're floating a wheel over something or you're going in a – you've got one, let's say, front tire that's going to drop down in a crevice or whatever, I like having thicker oil just so that if you do have to like give it some gas to kind of like, you know, get – get through that section quickly enough. Um, I don't want that front end to just like drop super fast and unsettle the truck and have it possibly flip over or anything. So that's why I typically like the thicker shock oil and stuff. I'm thinking a little bit more about what you're saying with the uh, 42.5 with the servo and axle mounting. That was my only reason for it. I mean, I had 42.5 and 47.5, but I think 47.5 would have been just too much. Yeah, I agree with that. Thing would have been a like a board. I wonder. So I was almost thinking like, you know, because it's it's that's 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 really interesting. I feel like forty two five. This is a whole rabbit hole, really. But like, I wonder forty two five, but building some rebound into it would be good. Because I'm wondering about like like the weight will obviously pull it down a little bit faster and has to kind of work through the pack, but on the initial compression that being heavier won't really help. I don't know. That's interesting. I'd like to play. I need to play with that at some point. See if you, see if you like that first. Yeah. I, I, I think I'll, I think I will. I mean, just, you know, running through like the reasoning in my mind and everything as to, you know, why I would want it to be that way. But I don't, yeah, I'm not I, saying I, I disagree. Li- I think there's a good argument. Yeah, no, way. no, yeah, no, t- no. I did. I didn't think you were. Just it's the best. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to apply what I know and just kind of mm-hmm. hope for the best possible solution. And so that's that's what made sense in my mind. But we'll try it and see. I didn't build any like preload or anything into it because remember how we were talking about having that softer front spring rate so that when you do reach that point of where the front end starts to unload on really steep stuff, it's going to go slower. And with having a softer spring in conjunction with thicker oil, you don't have that spring trying to rebound and push the entire car 
backwards, you know, like have the front end start extending as it gets to that tipping point, you know? Yeah. So that's the reason for the light springs on the front. So, I mean, this is all just, you know, stuff that I was thinking in my head. And so far it's like, you know, the spring rates and oil and stuff's worked out really well, but I, I'm really, really happy with the spring rates on them though. Like that green front, um, gray rear, I I'm pretty, pretty satisfied with that on either truck. I think that's definitely the way to go just for that, for that reason, you know, when, yeah, for when the front end starts to unload, I think, I think that'll definitely be like what goes on the default setup for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, I, I I'm in agreement there. I think that, um, yeah, the only reason I was kind of thinking about yeah, because I, I I usually don't like any rebound. Like I try and build a shock as dead as possible, but um, no, I was just thinking about that a little bit as far as kind of if you're looking to kind of have it sort of pushed back down. I I tried to build it in with like I don't even know what you would call this like what negative preload like basically i i built the shocks with the bleeder caps to where it starts to suck the shaft back in a little yeah, bit so, okay so negative rebound yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean that's yeah, what we call it a better word so. yeah but yeah i i built it with that and i was able to fix that point where the piston since i run my shocks upside down i was able to get a lot of that air out because remember before yeah. without the bleeder caps as soon as the piston gets to you know the very like top of its stroke it runs out of oil if the shocks are upside down and it's air so it's real squishy and then it can like unload really fast you know because you've got like resistance 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 and then boom it's free all the sudden were you There's running there were you running them upside down on friday yes i did not even notice okay yeah that explains a lot about what you're saying then yeah but that that's only when it's like full down travel it yeah to the point where you know you run out of oil and the piston's just trying to pass through air but that was the the big reason why i wanted to try the bleeder caps is so that you know i thought that would be really good in conjunction with what i was thinking with the, uh, you know trying to build the shocks to where it's not gonna ex- you know once you hit that tipping point it's not gonna shift the weight back sure. and get the front end light and unload it so that makes sense i see i'm really really excited to go drive it again though just because i had so much fun the other day yeah they're so good yeah it was, it was just a good feeling you know it was like one of those nights that you just sleep really good you're like okay you know what we came out with a really good package here for people and i feel good about what they're gonna get so mm-hmm. yeah it yeah. was a lot of fun no it's exciting Sweet. Yep, good stuff. I noticed too. I, I, I don't know how recently we talked about this, but I came across a lot of while we're on the subject of shocks. Came a lot of um, across a lot of posts just today, even about like RTR uh, shocks leaking and stuff. Oh yeah, I saw that too. I feel like we're kind of getting into that wave again of you know another you know group of like newer people getting into the hobby or getting elements and stuff like that, or kind of running into the RTR shock leaking thing. That this might yeah. be worth bringing up again. Because yeah, one of the things that like it, it, if this isn't something that you're familiar with or this is something that you ran into recently, like basically the basically what happens sometimes is that like a lot of RTRs and this isn't just an element problem, but a lot of a lot of RTRs will arrive to you with the shocks leaking, you know, and there's the kind of the whole like, you know, are are they junk? Is something broken? Anyone else run into this? You know, and and I mean the answer is yeah, the people run into it all the time. And there's a lot, there's really good reason for why it happens. Right. You know? And so, um, but 
one of the things that I kind of always summarize this anytime I try and jump into one of these and help is that any RTR you get, whether it's leaking or not, like just always rebuild them, like always rebuild them. I, I, I'm, I'm a little OCD about it. You don't need to do what I do, but like I would even replace the seals on them, but like just, just flat out rebuild it, put, you know, get, get slime or any other lube that you've got in there, get in there and like, just do a full clean rebuild and, and, and do what you got to do. Kind of put your touch on it because the, the, the shocks when they're like pre-built, I mean, I think a lot of them are all, you know, they're all built in like China or Taiwan, right? Um, the the shocks just go through so many different pressure and temperature changes and tons of different environments, you know, whether it be they come over on boat or, you know, then get to you via plane or lost mile carrier, et cetera. Like you're just putting it through a ton of different circumstances, all of which um, vastly affect um, how like, like the, the, it, it, it has a really big impact on the shock and, you know, and then like the fidelity of the build. And so like it, so, and like the best way I could illustrate this was when I used to, you know, do a lot of racing, I wouldn't build my shocks until I got to the, like, if I was traveling, I wouldn't build my shocks until I got to the event, whether we were you know driving there or flying because, um, because there was no, there was no point for me to do them ahead of time because whatever I do would be, voided by the different you know air pressure and temperature humidity all that stuff wherever i was actually going and i would have to build them to the environment there crawling is not that intensive so like you wouldn't necessarily need to do this but technically you should you know if you wanted it to be true like perfectly consistent um but yeah i like i would i would always just do that ahead of time um and if they leak you know it's just one of those things like if you're getting you're opening it up and, and, and it's leaking I mean, pressure builds up. It's got to go somewhere. And where's it going to go first? The seals, right? So, like, a shock that leaks can be a good shock. You know, and the, like for the, the element ones, for example, they, they are. You're not going to find anything better. Um, but a shock that doesn't leak doesn't make it a good shock, if that makes sense. And I see people going down that rabbit hole all the time, like, oh, who has shocks that don't leak? I'm like, well, that's not really the problem. Yeah, you know, that's not really right before. the first time, and then you're good to go. Yeah, like it's just kind of one of those things. Like it's just like an accepted evil. Like you just you just got to do it, and just yeah, like, might as well just start off that way because you're gonna have to do it in the future anyways. The Operation Eleven Charlie Ecto it has a leaky shock, you know, like pretty substantially. So I mean, it's just that's how it is, you know. So I'm just gonna pull them apart, gonna do X rings in them with green slime, put it back together, and call it good. It's just it just the, happens. It's part of the RTR upgrade checklist. You know, rebuild the shocks, replace a steering servo. That's pretty much like the two things you can plan on no matter what when it comes to a new rig. Yeah. yeah. You know, and plus the people in the factory too. It's like, you know, they're trying to crank out as many as they can. And I'm, you know, I'm assuming they have like quotas and stuff like that, but you know, you also don't want to like screw the cap down too tight and have the O-ring twist inside yeah. and have it leak. So they I mean, have, been, just, they have their quality thresholds that they have to meet, you know, and that if yeah. you got it leaking, it doesn't mean it was leaking at the factory, you know, but at the same time, they're not going to treat it like it's an art either. Yeah. You know, exactly. and that's, that's the, that if any, even if all that other stuff, like the science behind it wasn't true. You know, uh, it isn't you that is building them. So, I mean, yeah. to me, that's good enough reason. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. 
well, even when I built my shocks back in the day, like when you used to get the kits, it's like that was the part I hated the most because I was like, I know I'm going to get done with this and it's going to leak no matter what I do. Yeah, the green slime helps a ton. Like that, that's pretty much like you do that the last quite a while. I mean, I rebuilt mine. So the, I'm on my third rebuild on my EPX truck. The f- first time lasted almost a y- year, I want to say. Mm. So, I mean, it, I'm I'm happy with that. It's just kind of a routine maintenance thing. But, like, with kits, I'm, I'm there with you. Like, with building kits, like, doing the shocks and the diffs, like, the messy stuff is my least favorite. Yeah, you used to go, well, used to go diffs, turnbuckles, or links, and then shocks for me. The links, I've got, like, my own, like, system down to where I use, like, my my hex wrenches as T-handles, and so it I can build sucks. links pretty quick. It, it does, but you know what I did that helped a ton is I took an uh, old set of STRC shock shaft pliers, and I put it, closed them in a vise, you know, like, held them in the closed position, and then I drilled out one of the shaft holes so that it's four millimeters so that it can clamp down on a link. And mm. I can just hold them with, you know, I've got like my own special set of link, pli- excuse me, link pliers, hiccuping. Sorry. I put, I have a bench vise here and I put the link in a, I have a bunch, I, I cut my paper towels and my blue shop towels. I cut them up into a bunch of smaller squares um, because oftentimes I don't need a whole shop towel unless I need to lay it down for something. Um, so I will take the, I'll take like, I'll take the link and then I'll like kind of cradle it in one of these, uh, one of these blue squares just to protect, just protect the link itself. And then I'll drop it into the bench vise. And then from there, once I, you know, once I put the, once I put some of the assembly grease on the rod end, then, um, I can start to thread it in and that seems to work. Okay. But, I don't do grease on the rod end, but I do take a body reamer to it and just bevel the edge where it starts to thread on. You should put some of the, you should put some of the, I mean, any of them, the, the red, the red or like the marine grease, you should put that in the threads next time. It's much easier. Yeah. I'll have to try that. Yeah. I've, I've always just used a body reamer and just kind of give it a little bit of a taper to it and then they go right on. Gotcha. Yeah. I've always just taken my four millimeter tap and just tap them all the rod ends. That way it just goes on like, Oh, there you go. That's a good idea. Yeah, I I got that idea with um back mainly from when I used to make my own links because if you didn't have like you know four millimeter you know material um and and honestly I don't have a lathe so I can't take a three sixteenths rod and then turn it down and you know all that stuff so what we used to do was take three sixteenths rod and use a ten twenty four tap on it or a die and you'd be able to actually it takes some work but you could force it on there and it would actually cut those threads in there and then you would have to because it's such a large diameter um use the same tap to do the rod ends and then one time i was doing a kit and i said you know what it'll take me five more minutes just take all the rod ends out you know hit them with the die and you know see what happens so, and then after that, I was like, man, it's like butter now. So then actually what I used to start doing is a lot of my rod ends when I'd actually, you know, pre-thread them 
and leave them in my spare parts box. So when you're on the trail and you have to repair something, you're not trying to, you know, mess around with it. You're just put it right back together, move on. Hmm. Yeah. So. Idea. Yep. That, that's my only thing. I mean, links were never really that hard, you know, or at least were never that big of a pain in the butt to me. It was always shocks. Um, but I do got to say the SCX six, those shocks are not leaking and they're massive. I think it's probably easier the bigger they get too. You know, you're you've got just more volume. I, I think there's probably a little bit less pressure inside of them too. It's definitely yeah. a wider margin of error for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We we had we were like forced to get familiar with rebuilding shocks just because when it comes to like racing and stuff, it's not like crawling like with racing. It's like you build your shocks after every race. You know, you go through and rebuild them. You do your diffs, do your shocks. That's just kind of part of it. And sometimes you're you know at a race and you're completely changing out your shock package and going with something different or changing pistons. So I mean, it's like it's one of those things that. You're just like, all right, I just need to accept the fact that this is going to suck and I have to do it all the time, and that's just part of this. So that's kind of the philosophy with the crawler stuff, too. It's like, well, you know, I don't get too worked up over leaky shocks or anything. It's just kind of part of the game. I used to do them twice a weekend. I used to do them Friday morning, and then I would do them... So if that, and that would last me through practice and qualifying, and then I would do them before mains on Sunday. Do that and tear the whole car apart on Sundays. I can't say I miss that. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I almost can't, did the exact same can't thing say just I now. that part of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Guess, I guess I'm just lazy. I don't really tear nothing apart until there's an issue. I've got a couple more sets to do. I gotta order a bunch more X rings. I had another package of those green HBO rings, Trav. That's what I used on my oh, GPS nice. truck this last time. Yeah, I found an an open envelope of those. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go with these guys. Those were good O rings. I like those. Those are great. Yeah. Yep. Oh, one interesting note with the bleeder caps. The pivot ball area is captured on those. Hmm. It doesn't float like the Enduro ones. I don't have like a whole ridiculous amount of flex or articulation, so I'm not super worried about it, but it's something to be mindful of because depending on your setup, that could create a bind issue. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, it caught me by surprise. And are I they still kind of loose, though, or are they going to need to break in? They they wobble side to side. You know, like, you can rotate them, but they're definitely, like, you press them in with a, you know, with your shock shaft pliers Got it. Pivot, pivot ball tool. Okay. So, I, I don't think it'll be a big deal. I had to use sure. normal balls on them, though, because then if I would have used hmm. the longer shock mounts, it would have moved the spacing off. And it would have been super, super wide at the bottom, and it probably would have cut down on my steering angle because it's already kind of right at that point where I can't do much more with having the cap at the bottom right next to the steering knuckle now. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. 
it's like a opposite effect to everything you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Do this and it's going to affect this area or, but yeah, that was the first thing I thought was, was the articulation. I was kind of concerned about that. And I was like, man, this thing doesn't even flex a full tire height. Like I'm going to be fine, but somebody else may not, may not be necessarily. Protec has a new servo. Oh yeah. 1000 ounces of torque. Did you see the video for that with it lifting the gym weights? No, I didn't. They've got a servo horn with a bunch of like dumbbell weights attached to it with some chain and the servo's just in her lifting it up and down. It's pretty wild. Yeah, kind of a monster. I'm looking for the specs right now. 4.8 to 8.4. Operating speed at 8.4 is 0.11. That's quick. 8.4 volts, 1,080 ounces of torque. Damn. That is beastly. What else is new? Let's look through aiming here really quick. Just arrived. Uh-huh. Nothing that we care about. Yeah, I'm not seeing much. That was kind of a weird move. J Concepts with their they they've had some interesting tires that they've released lately. They've got ones that look like um, cut boggers, or no, not cut boggers. They just look like boggers, I guess. Called the hold, and then the weird one that they released was. Fling Kings, which is like their mud truck tire, they released those in 1.9. Which might look cool on like an Ecto or something. They're pretty aggressive looking tire. But it was just kind of one of those things like, man, not many people need like, you know, Chevron pattern tractor style tires on a 1.9 rig. But cool though for somebody that wants to build a smaller mud truck, I guess. Vanquish has a 4.75 tire out now. Um, let's see. Not a whole lot. It's kind of slow in the scale department here lately. Yeah, it's been slow with releases and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of the next wave. I, can't, I hate saying it, but it's, it really is kind of like the next wave of people being short on stuff and shipping delays and and yeah. unless you want to talk about um, that awesome axial release, oh, the limited uh, edition one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, that's all right. I think we covered that. <laughs> we we'll we'll behave. Did you guys talk about that last time? No, oh, but okay. we had a post on the Facebook page for the. Oh, podcast. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> People were very free with their opinions. I don't understand it, but maybe I'm not supposed to understand it. Well, like I said, my whole thing is, and I'm just going to keep it short. I just, my whole thing is, I don't get 
the justification in the price. Yeah. It there to me, there's not a thousand dollars worth. I mean, for like a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars more, you can buy yourself an SCX six, which you actually get the you know value out of that. With that car, the tires are too small for it. It's a portal rig again, which I know some people just live for portals, and that's you know they lose their you know minds when another rig comes out that has portals, and um. You know, it's like I get the whole, you know, limited edition. If there was something limited, kind of about right, like it, you know, you like can't even you, justify the price with like you know the exclusivity of it because like still, what are you getting? Well, it's, they're, it's just, they're just, just making twenty five of them. Like, okay, well, cool, I could do that too. There's no, but there's no authenticity. You get what I'm saying? Or oh yeah, any kind of branding that tells you this is a limited run. Like when they did there, the, there's a sticker that has the number, and I guess that's it. Oh really? Because really? yeah, because I, I was gonna say the um the SCX24 when that at least came out with the um you know the Betty at least they numbered the frame has a number on them. So you know what number you have. Whereas this is like, Oh, it's just, like you said, it's just a sticker. I was joking around with somebody about it the other day that, you know, we were kind of talking about like the whole reasoning behind it, trying to understand it. And I kind of made the joke, like make me well, maybe they were overstocked on 1.9 preload. Uh, pre-mounts you know like maybe they had a bunch of <laughs> pre-mounted 4.19 high racks on plastic wheels and they're like man we got to get rid of some of these let's do 25 limited edition rigs with some really odd wheel tire choices on them yeah what were you, I, like what were said, you saying about editing i was just, <laughs> i thought you were about to say out. something that was going to make me edit the show oh <laughs> no I was, I was trying to be good i'm just saying like it, it was just it was a weird move, and I was trying to understand it. That's all. There may yeah, just not be understanding it. I'd... Even even myself being an Axial fan, I still question the reasoning to it. Yeah. Kind of interesting. They'll probably sell them, though. You know, there'll be somebody that's like, ooh, limited edition. I mean, purely, I mean. I've got money. Just on... Just on the number alone, you know, just because it's like factor in potential buyers, and then the fact that there's 25 of them, it's like, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, there's a pretty high chance they'll just run through it, but I think it's we're more... gonna see somebody keep one in a box, and he's gonna try and offer it for two grand or something a year from now. Just wait. This was a limited edition release. A year from now, I was <laughs> <laughs> be instant months, instant flip because a year from now, no one's gonna remember they did it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. Wonder but, if they're wonder if they're sold out of them already. I'm gonna look. That'd be really telling if they weren't. It's been what two weeks? They should be gone by uh, now. We're gonna find out. I don't know when they actually went up for sale, but dude, I have like the worst like hiccups. Like I'll start talking and then like that I'll like pause because I'm hiccuping and they're not going away. I hadn't noticed. Oh, well. Sorry. Hold <laughs> your breath. I don't know if any of that stuff works. SCX6 base camp. 
Huh. I don't see it on their little vehicle roster. Let's see. Did you say SCN, SCS 10 six or SCX six? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. There's those two, but that's it. Yeah, I am not seeing it, so it must be all sold out. Hmm. I'm bummed out that they don't. I wonder if they still have the body. You you remember the Ford like the 1955 Ford that Axial did, they had like the tan one and the green one. Yeah. I always thought that was kind of a neat one. I, I thought that would have been more popular, but you really don't see that body very often anymore. That was a cool truck though. Yeah. They must be out of them. Cause I am not seeing any limited edition, anything. Hmm. Looking on their Facebook page, see if I can find the link. Honcho. The Mike Honcho. The Mike Honcho. <laughs> uh, if we say that one, then you really have to edit this show. All right. <laughs> Dude, they still have Honchos in stock. Horizon does. That's cool. Available via, let's see. Oh, it was a gladiator <laughs> in stock. Still, really, three reviews. Uh oh. Uh oh. Drum roll. Were you actually able to review it though? If you were, oh yeah, verified reviewers. I hate reviews. What a! I shouldn't read these, but anyways. <laughs> well, now I feel like you should. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. All right, I'll be honest. All right, so the, my favorite review is uh, there's only three of them. So this first one was the guy who gave it five stars. It said "beautiful crawler," and said that's his first one. Then <laughs> first the, truck. The green paint job really pops on this crawler and the accessories really complete the look. It has a nice limited edition indicator to identify it as one of only 25 that Axial will produce. This will absolutely appreciate in value over time. That's how RC cars work. Does it really say that? Yeah, I'm reading it word for word. I am so happy with my purchase. Five stars. Thank you, Nate. Was this review helpful? And two thumbs up, six thumbs down. (laughs) Said, nice, there's this one, this guy was the true neutral, three stars. Nice rig, no way to authenticate the truck itself, the only number is printed on the packaging. So I have number four, but once it is removed from the box, there is no way to tell them apart. As I said, nice rig, but no way to authenticate the rig itself. I've confirmed with Horizon that that's what they called numbered on the box, that is it. And then the third one from Kevin, he was less than stoked, he was two stars. Kevin, Kevin said, why is it way overpriced? Why is this $1,100? $500 (laughs) RTR truck, $100 for shocks, and $100 for tires. I can't see $1,100. Green paint, son. That was the most helpful review. So, 
Yeah, that is fascinating. So, yeah, that, that kind of does tell you how much of a, I mean, I don't want to be that guy that's super negative about it, but it's like, that that is, that's a miss, because I figured, I figured on the numbers alone that they would have been at least, they've run out by now, because they posted what this June 16th, and I clicked yeah, on the link I mean, in that post. The last time we recorded, I think, is when it first, first came yeah, out. Yeah, or whenever it's, you know, or they're really close. But, yeah, that, I don't know. I just don't understand it. Like, I think the little accessory pack's only 25 or 30 bucks, isn't it? This was an inflation correction. <laughs> this, this was the, hey, we need to release something of an absurd price point, and then we can soften the blow of having to raise our prices going forward. Well, we haven't touched on the fact that you have to spend $130 to join their program before you can buy it. Oh, yeah. I do get to that's, earn... That's the other weird, weird thing behind this. Like, I can earn 11,000 points on this item. So how much does that get me? You will get 10% off your next order of $500 or more. No. You know what pain <laughs> I want to try? This Traxxas. Sorry, just real quick. Just... 2,000 points is a $5 discount, so <laughs> I would get 25 bucks off my order next time. After okay. you've already spent 130 just to be able to order it, though. Oh, yeah. no, yeah. I'm not justifying it. I'm just doing the math. Uh, uh, yeah. Fascinating. Totally. Wait a minute. One of the things, everything you need to start crawling is one of the things, and then right under that is complete your product. This product may require additional items to work out of the box. <laughs> they didn't Good look Lord. at the plugins either. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. Anyways, enough dogging on that, but yeah, that I guess that kind of confirms what we were thinking. That they weren't. Now, right? <sighs> yeah. Did we talk about the Traxxas hauler last time we recorded? Because that's uh, new. I don't believe so. I'm just going to say it. That thing's freaking cool. Damn they it. did a good job on it. Traxxas well, is kind of doing a good job in the scale department these days. Well, it's actually funny. Um, the one, the carpenter, um, the subcontractor that works for us, he was talking to me about that because he, he always told you know me like that. I wanted to build a, you know, some sort of hauler. He's like, I wanted to do the six by six, but then I'd have to jump the, or no, he wanted the Traxxas Mercedes one. And he's like, I'm going to have to junk the cab, you know, cause it's not what I want. I don't want this. I don't want that. And then all of a sudden this came out. He's like, they built it for me. <laughs> yep. Travis and I found a place today, one tenth rod shop. It's a outfit that does a lot of the CEN 450 stuff. Like really, really yeah. nice F four fifty parts. They do an actual like tilting, sliding bed setup with linear actuators and everything. So you can actually tilt it and use the winch to pull the car up onto the bed and then tilt it forward again. How much was it, Travis? Three hundred fifteen dollars. They have. I felt after I looked flipping. at it more, I, I the price kind of justified. A little bit. It's it, it's really cool. Like all their stuff's really expensive, but like their 
3D printed interior for the 450 is 220 bucks. Yeah. The 3D printed interior. It's like, oh, yeah. It looks really good, but man, like. But it was probably on his printer for four or five days. Yeah, which I get it. I mean, I know how printing, how all that goes. It's just kind of. Oh, yeah, it's deep. But I think he can probably make more if he just sold the file to people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Especially because I, I mean, I didn't realize like doing the whole interior at once and tilting it at like a 45. Dude, it's such a beautiful print. It's so much easier. So I'm, I wouldn't be shy about trying to print something like that at all anymore. Going back to this hauler, this is what the TRX 6 should have been originally. Which yeah, I, the Mercedes was stupid. I imagine this actually came out of that they had a surplus of TRX parts, but no demand for the TRXs they were offering already. Oh, you mean the 6x6? Six six? Like, they had a bunch of them? Yeah, I think there was probably a lot of stuff that they, I mean, my guess is they probably just had a little bit of, you know, they needed to justify some costs on some of that original ordering because they didn't really move that many because, you know, why would you? But yeah. this is a really cool use case. Like, this is, like I said, this is what it should have been. I want to say Snap-on had a hauler version before Traxxas had the retail one. Traxxas made one for Snap-on tools that was a hauler one. And I think it was like six months or so that it was out before this one. Interesting. I vaguely remember that. I'm sure I could probably find it on Google or something. Yeah, let me look. They did a good job. I wish they would have done clear windows because this would have been a really easy one with it being like the cab sitting so high up there above the frame rails. You could do a full depth like 3D interior in this with like, Mm. you know, actual floor depth to it versus most interiors. It's the perfect rig for that, but they freaking did stickers over the windows. Just They didn't on the Mercedes version of it. It's like, come on, guys. Knock it off. I guess it comes with lights, so that is pretty cool. That is cool. That rod shop makes fender vents and all kinds of neat stuff for it. So I don't know. I think it's cool. Like it it would definitely be off road capable. Like that part of it would be pretty neat. I don't know. It's just cool that if this is your thing you can get it. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's neat that it was offered. It's a good way to bridge the gap between the scale crawler community and the people who have those like ridiculous Tamiya semi trucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I saw a guy driving one of these around with a Huna truck packed on the back of it, like just cruising around mm-hmm. <laughs> on some trails and stuff. So that was kind of cool. I don't know. I mean, if I if I had an excess of money, I'd probably pick something like that up. <laughs> Because the F450 is kind of cool. Like, it's neat having a tow rig and stuff. Like, I, I, I kind of understand it. It's fun for video and pictures and stuff. But Oh, yeah. Uh, there was, we had a listener that commented about, you know, like, shout out to the guys that have been making their own for the last 10 years or whatever. It's like, you know, like, it just because it's available to everybody now doesn't, like, doesn't discredit the people that made them before you know it's like somebody's built something just about everything as a one-off before and then it'll gain 
traction and, you know, turn into an RTR or something like that, you know, like you'd, you'd see guys trying to build gladiators and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden there is one, you know, like that's just kind of how this stuff goes. Something cool happened, you know, somebody builds something cool and then people react to it. And then, you know, Traxxas will build something like this and, you know, it's this cool little niche market that they're making it for. And, that's cool, but I just it doesn't detract from custom builders at all. I mean, it's just making something accessible to people that wouldn't have the skill or resource to make one on their own. You know, like it, it doesn't take anything away from the people that scratch build stuff. Like it, it was just, it was kind of strange. I I didn't really understand the thought process behind that. I don't know. I think you may also be reading into it a little bit. The, I, th- I think if anything, it's more validating, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, you guys did something cool. This is, you yeah, know, exactly. It was so cool that there's an arterial. Yeah, it, it, exactly. But what I was saying though, is like, you just, I don't know, kind of wanted to make a point of saying that, well, you know, people made those first, you know, those were the first guys that did it. So yeah, sure. no, yeah. that, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I think, I think you might be like reading I, that comment a little bit, but I know what he, like, I can kind of see where he's coming from, but yeah, he should feel like, you know, if that is him or someone else, like they should feel validated by it. Yeah, exactly. They do feel that way. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a cool rig. They did a neat job. I just, I like seeing all the stuff that the 3d printing guys will come up with, you know, like when I was looking through what, rod shop makes for this they make like step pads and like little things that you wouldn't necessarily think of doing for something like this at first you know but mm-hmm. like right off the bat looking at it though, like i could see the step pads door handles things like that that'd be pretty cool i think it is neat that it comes with lights so i think that was a good move on traxxas's part i don't know they'll probably sell a ton of them i think it's a great idea they're little oh, yeah. like ZZ Top Hot Rod Vortec on the back looks pretty good. Like it looks super <laughs> like scale appropriate on it. Well, that was the first question that um, my buddy had was he was like, will it actually hold um, a, you know, a one tenth scale rig or are the tires going to hang off? And the more people seem to, you know, get them in their possession and the more pictures that seem to surface, you could totally tell a one tenth scale fit on the bed. No problem. Yeah. They have like wheel chocks set up for the four tech chassis. It says so like it, it's designed to fit their touring car chassis, which is kind of neat and smart. That was pretty cool. Does it come with the winch? That's what I wanted to check and see. Cause I saw somebody using a winch. No, you would have to buy a winch for it, but that's no big deal. Pretty darn cool, though. What else do we have? I don't think that we had already covered the base camp and stuff, so I think that's probably it as far as new rigs. Adam and I tried talking about the FMS model, like one eighth scale or one sixth scale Suzuki Jimny. They make a big, huge, ridiculous Jimny, which is kind of neat. Oh, and that same company, FMS, they came out with a 24th scale power wagon with portals. 
So I know that some of it, you know, there's going to be some dudes out there losing their minds over that one. Oh, so, hey, <laughs> real quick on the subject of the hauler, someone in that uh, CEN F450 group posted that their F450 fits on the back of their TR6 hauler. Jesus. So the back kind of hangs off behind the rear axle, but I mean, it sits up there fine. So there you go. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Now I want to see one in person after that. God, this thing's pretty crazy. Yeah. I wonder if Proline's got their Bronco bodies available to buy yet. They did a two-door and a four-door Bronco body with molded plastic grill and mirrors and door handles and stuff. But I'm not seeing it for sale. Huh, interesting. Yeah, not on the it's not on the main site yet. That's interesting. Those are pretty expensive too. I think they're like seventy five or eighty dollars. What rigs are you taking to Axial Fest, Adam, just besides the besides the SCX six? Um, to be honest, I'll probably just bring, uh, probably my 10, three, just because it's, you know, it's a reliable rig ready to roll. It has lights and all that crap. Um, and probably just for a backup, my deadbolt, just because that's another tried and true rig to just always ready to go and just goes everywhere. I, you know, point it. It's just like a point and shoot rig. It's like really simple. I've always, I know I mentioned this like after Axial Fest last year on the show, but I've always contemplated on do I mess with it anymore? Like, do I get a link kit for it? Do I, you know, change the motor? You know, like I haven't made up my mind. Like, should I just leave it the way it is or should I mess with it? That's always the big question, huh? Well, because it's also the rig I use as my quote-unquote loner. So, yeah, like last year when my boss went up um, for the day, he didn't have a rig to drive, so he drove it. And actually last year, Thomas Cook from MKS was out Friday. So I gave him that rig to run. Um, he ran it all day Friday. So that rig like went through its paces last year at Axial Fest. Does everybody still do like post up their builds for Axial Fest each year and stuff? Like, is that still a thing? Some do. Like the the people that are super like excited about it. Like, there's a couple people like actually here while I'm on it right now. I'll go to Axial Fest or Bust. There's been a couple people like. There's actually some kind of actual like cool rigs that some people have posted. Like this one person post. Like it's just not your typical, you know, like a lot of people try to go super scale and all that stuff. But like this guy. Uh, Bob Hackerson, first time going to Axial Fest. I hope it's worth the hundred bucks and the ten hour drive. See you there. And it's just not a. It's. I'm trying to think. It's like I'm not. I don't want to sound like mean, but it's like it's not really your stereotypical crawler. It's um. 
it actually almost is set up more like a basher kind of, but it's got an aftermarket chassis. It's just the tire to body ratio is like really big. But then again, I think this is an old uh, Proline um, Ford F100. Hmm. So, but it, I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice looking rig. Um, what else? What else? I'm scrolling through here. There's a couple other people that posted some stuff. A couple people that got their um, their Capras ready to go. What else? There's a guy actually in there, um, and I don't know if you see this post only because I don't know if you're a member of Axial Fester Bust. No, I'm not. Did you see Tim Thompson? Um, he was work. He built a kind of like a moon buggy kind of thing, similar to what you did. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Orange one, yeah. He shared that in there. Nice. Right so. on. But that sure yeah. is a fun build. Yeah. So there's a handful, and then the the thing that gets kind of like it's funny because like Todd gets all bent out of shape about this, like. <laughs> you know, um, ever since they came out with Axial Fest Badlands, they're, you know, they, he kind of just, like, he gets all, like, bent out of shape when people start posting all this Badlands stuff because it's like, you know, it's called Axial Fest or Bust. It's not called Axial Fest West Coast or Bust. You know, it's... So <laughs> Axial it's like, Fest, only the one that you like or Bust. <laughs> yeah, well, it's because this has been going on a lot longer than you know yeah but then todd tries to make it a big deal he's like no one ever reads the description no one re reads anything everybody should know that by now it's like it says right here going to axifest 2022 at rob's resort in pollock pines make sure to show off your rigs tell people your camping spot blah 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 so bob perline makes 1.55 wheels now i don't know how i missed that interesting yeah we're always the slow ones to the party i feel so out of touch or they release something after um after you know we're done recording and then we gotta wait <laughs> <laughs> yeah until the next time yeah oh my goodness well, sorry, I got a stretch. <laughs> oh yeah, we're almost at your time cut off, aren't we? Boy, that went by quick. Yeah, that was a spectacular stretch. That was a really good stretch. I'm leaving that in. Okay. <laughs> since you haven't, since you haven't blessed anyone with any of your, you know, foghorn. <laughs> 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 It's the Kindle curse, man. My dad had a honk or two whenever he would blow his nose. It was crazy. <laughs> It'll happen to Travis curse. when he's older. It is. <laughs> I it's really ridiculous sounding. Like I'm playing games with my friends or something. I just have horribly violent sneezes that come out of nowhere. Just one big one. And it always scares the hell out of them. Do your sneezes ever hurt you? Like, Wait. under your arms, like... Only those ones. 
did you hurt though? Like, do you feel it like in your bones? Like, yeah, I, I, I kind of just cease for a minute. I just got to relax after that happens. If you put your your arm up, like you're going to flex or something and you push under your bicep, there's, you know, you've got your bone right up there. Right. And you know how it's kind of, if you push hard enough, your handle kind of tingle and stuff like pins and needles. Uh huh. Well, right deep inside there on both arms, when I sneeze, it is the gnarliest pain. Like it's just a shooting pain that goes through both of my arms and it generates like right up like your upper arm bone, you know, like, I don't know. What is that? Your humerus? Is that what it's called? Sure. But anyways, yeah, that I'm not sure why, but those sneezes don't feel good. So just know that if you think you have it bad having to hear me sneeze, it's not half as bad as having to feel that sneeze. Interesting. Yeah, the only the, I've only had a couple bad sneezes, and it doesn't normally hurt me anywhere like that. It's normally it'll it's like weird. It'll almost like hurt me in my in like the sinus portion like you know that part in your mouth where it connects your your nose to your throat Mm -hmm. sometimes i'll get a couple of those and you're just like ah and it kind of like hurts like you're just like what the hell but that's usually after a really bad sneeze i don't get those a lot maybe once every other year sneezing kills i don't i don't know why but i mean dude it just it hurts so stinking bad nice if it didn't do you sneeze when like from bright light or anything like that no mine um is more like dust like especially lately the job site's been super dusty oh like i'll just be you know doing something and it's like you know and you're still we're still at that that you know phase with everything going on that you're like you know people freak out when you sneeze and stuff so it's like i hate being in the middle of talking and then like I have to like bolt out the the door and then I sneeze <laughs> and I come back in. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, they kind of like look at you like, you know, and it's like, well, what? You want me to sneeze in here? Just trying to be polite. <laughs> yeah, so, that's rough. But yeah, so um, it's pretty much like dust. Like dust gets me really bad. I hate it. I hate it all. <laughs> Well, I guess we should get jamming then since Travis has to go. Okay. Yep. Gotta go. But yeah, that was fun. Yes. Thank you guys. And I guess next episode, maybe we'll kind of run everybody through what our plans are. Okay. So until then, we'll see you guys later. See you. See you.